What's going on, guys? Pete with the OneCast here. So excited to announce our newest podcast partner, Carolina Waters. Carolina Waters is a performance fishing and outdoor lifestyle apparel company that's based right here in North Carolina. They provide clothing like lightweight UPF shirts for those days out on the water or in the field for your hardcore fisherman or athlete. They also have casual t-shirts for those more relaxing days. Tons of different styles of headwear for the whole family. No matter what it is you're doing, if you're doing it outdoors in the Carolinas or anywhere across the country, Carolina Waters has you covered. Be sure to head over to their website, check out the apparel, find what fits your needs at carolinawatersnc.com. For the month of September, use the code THEONECAST, all one word, to save 20% off your order at carolinawatersnc.com. Again, that's carolinawatersnc.com. Use the code THEONECAST at checkout to save 20%. Appreciate y'all. Make sure you check them out. Use that code to let you know that we sent you. Help us continue to grow a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time. This week on the one cast, we're joined by NPFL pro Hunter Bogman. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day. What is going on, OneCast fans? <laughs> Welcome back to for another episode, another week of the OneCast. Number 50, I think. Five zero. I'm just going to keep saying I think because every week I feel like I mess up what number we're actually on. And it's somewhere around 50. So we're going to go with 50. Uh, we're excited to have Hunter Bogman join us. Uh, but as always, we need to run through some stuff real quick. Make sure you head over to onecastfishing.com. Use the code the onecast to check out. Save yourself some money. Get some snagless jigs, long neck hooks, weedless neds, some saw plastics. Uh, great Christmas stocking stuffers. That's right. Uh, so load up on some of that stuff. Again, uh, you know, those companies support us, help us keep doing that. Uh, we'll talk about some later. And uh, what you got, Trey? Man, I'm just really happy that we're on the the big five zero. We don't say episodes for a reason because we can't remember them. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, honestly, without guys like Hunter and all of our guests that we've had on, great companies like OneCast Fishing, you know, Carolina Waters, and all of our other supporters, like, they this wouldn't be possible. Like, if you're watching this, like, I'm freezing right now. We're sitting out in, like, 40-degree temperature, but that's nothing compared to uh, what our awesome guest Hunter is sitting in right now, which he's up in southern Ohio. Ohio getting ready to smack into some white-tailed deer. So I'm really excited to bring him on and really excited for uh, us to jump into the, you know, the rest of the holiday season. And hopefully everybody has a great Christmas and, uh, and an awesome new year. And we're looking forward to 2024. Yep. God, yep. Just mirror that sentiment. We couldn't do it, especially without everybody that downloads and listens every week, watches on YouTube, whatever it is you do. Uh, you know, we really appreciate y'all. And, and uh, it's wild when we, we got this idea because we were just hanging out talking about fishing all the time to record it and said maybe some folks will listen and uh quite a few of you have and, and we keep growing and, and gaining new people listening so couldn't do it without you uh i'm gonna ask now because we're gonna have hunter do uh you know his episode we got a lot we want to talk about but um if you can like comment subscribe all of our stuff um i know every podcast asks everybody asks you to do that but it really does help us to uh continue to show numbers uh to bring you new partners new opportunities uh, new giveaway stuff, which I'm going to pull the giveaway from November for the uh, donations and the Carolina water purchases. 
we're going to do that on our fishing Friday live in two days mm-hmm. and then um, wrapping up everything for the, uh, the bigger giveaway we were talking about. And we'll probably run that um, leading up getting closer to Christmas. And then after the first of the year, we'll, we'll give that stuff away. But um, make sure you check out all those partners we talked about. Uh, also check out those awesome veterans organizations that, that have been huge supporters of us and we support them. Uh, FX three Inc special operations, bass anglers, uh, heroes, harvests, uh, was for his glory outdoors. outdoors. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how I forgot Bobby down there, but uh, lots of great stuff going on. Lots of folks helping our veterans, uh, reintegrate and, uh, you know, get over some of those hurdles that they have coming back. Uh, speaking of hurdles, if you don't know Hunter's story, he's overcome quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of, uh, adversity mm-hmm. uh, in his, in his life, in his career. Uh, he's got a, a Toyota series win last year. Uh, he's an MPFL anger, uh, the last three years. So since it started, uh, signed back up for year four, uh, I got to ride along with him. If you follow him on socials, you saw some video I took, I got to ride with him on day three down at Lanier here a couple weeks ago, uh, and had an absolute blast. So, uh, I'm going to bring Hunter on and we'll, uh, we'll listen to, uh, whatever we're going to talk about. Who knows with us? Hopefully it's just him talking, not us. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. What's I mean, going what's on, dude? What's up guys? How are y'all? Man, we're doing good. How are you doing up there? Good. Now that I'm inside and not outside in the cold. <laughs> I feel that, man. Well, I think you I think you heard us uh, run our mouths at the beginning, did you not? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. So, like we said, we really appreciate you uh, coming on to the show. We know you're really busy and, and you're uh, uh, integrated into the hunting season right now, which a lot of us are. Pete and myself have been doing a lot of whitetail hunting. And uh, so, appreciate you taking the time out of your day, your evening. Uh, and spending a little bit of it with us. Man, I'm tickled. Y'all had me on. I'm excited about this. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be good. I had a blast on the boat with you running around in the blazer, uh, passing everybody in the morning at last off was fun. <laughs> I've never, I've been in, I've been pretty quick in a bass boat, but that's the fastest one I've ever been in. So it was, uh, it was a pretty fun ride and, uh, we had a good time, caught some fish, got to see you clinch the, the, your, uh, ticket to the championship there, which was awesome. Uh, recorded that fish and, uh, man there's just no emotion like in bass fishing so um just real quick hunter for anybody that might not know why don't you introduce yourself and uh tell a little bit about about yourself uh what you fished and and that kind of stuff so i'm hunter bogman from Judsonia, arkansas i uh i'm 37 i've tournament fish gosh it's crazy even think now like close to 25 years i mean i've, I've tournament fish since before i was driving lots of team stuff Lots of BFLs, Toyotas, weekend series, that kind of stuff growing up. Um, fished the MPFL the last four years, and I still I try to squeeze in a Toyota here and there when I can, a BFL. I still fish like 35 to 40, 45 local tournaments every year too. So just love it, man. I love everything about tournament bass fishing. Yeah. you you. So not only are you fishing the league or the MPFL, because I know like leagues are being – some people say one thing is the league, the other is the league, but you fish the national professional fishing league. You're fishing 45 local tournaments, but you have, you have a wife and children, correct? I do. I've got Andrea. Uh, we've been married 10 years. And I've got Kenley's two and a half and Cassidy just turned one. Man, you, t- you, you have to take and take them in that blazer. Don't you? You know, Kenley's been, I took Kenley last year <laughs> uh, with Andrea. Cassie has not been yet. Oh, hmm. you're going to have to read her on to the experience <laughs> that you had. <laughs> Just hang on. He's going to get it. 
25 when my wife's in the boat with me. We don't get to go very far. <laughs> yeah, man. So so you, you grew up, you're from and you grew up in Arkansas, correct? Yeah, I've lived in a, say, a 40-mile circle of Little Rock my whole life. Man. So you got your roots planted pretty hard there. So what was it that brought you to the fishing in general, but maybe the competitive side? So, you know, for me, maybe if, if, who had ever had not seen videos or anything, I, I'm an amputee on both legs below the knee in a wheelchair. I'm missing some fingers, and, but I'm so competitive. Like if we play rock, paper, scissors, I want to win. I mean, I'm just competitive at everything I do. And I wore artificial legs in junior high, played basketball, played soccer, and I was not able to be competitive. And that's kind of what – I mean, I grew up in a family that fished, but we we just meat fished. Like, it didn't matter what it was. It sides got knocked off and we ate it, period. Mm-hmm. Um, but that – I mean, I took that part. I had to love the outdoors from just being outdoors with family. And then I wanted to fulfill that competitive nature. And I kind of piddled in some tournaments and – I was hooked when it started. It took two or three years to really have any success, but then it it just kind of snowballed from there, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's you know we we've all grown up fishing our whole lives, but it's such a different approach when you when you start to fish tournaments um, from you know how you 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 mentally make decisions and the things that you do that it it can take like you said three four some people longer years to really start to to have some success and be consistent. Um, so it's it's crazy i think all of us probably started pretty much meat fishing i mean yeah i mean i'm from the north yeah we ate so everything. like you said we knocked the sides off everything it don't matter <laughs> if it's a carp a catfish or a small mouth or a large mouth it don't matter but yeah yeah my, my grandpa when he was still alive i'd get him to go practice with me some he'd always say well i just can't see why you throw a perfectly good fish back in the water that's what he'd always tell me. <laughs> You're thinking, I hope it's there in, in a week and a half, and I catch it again. That one will help me. <laughs> That's what I always told him. I buy a lot more groceries with what it win than I could cut the sides off of it. <laughs> so when when you were younger, I mean, yeah, you, you talked about being competitive and stuff, but was, uh, was bass fishing? I know this is like that cliche question, but was bass fishing something you followed, like the tournament side as a, as a kid growing up? No, it really wasn't. I mean, when I kind of started – I, you know, I was probably in my teens before I really started following bass fishing. And then, I mean, and I'm just, I'm as hardcore a fan today. Like, I may fish with MPFL, but I watch live on almost all the trips. I mean, it, just nearly any time it's live, I'm unproductive because I'm watching live on everything. And <laughs> I mean, I follow along with all of it, you know, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of the sport. Yeah. Yeah, we, we talk about it all the time. Like, sometimes it's not the most exciting thing to watch, but – usually always still have it on, you know, like live, if it's whether it's MLF or, or Bass Pro or the NPFL. Uh, what I really like is the NPFL and that we've talked about with Brad and them and, uh, you know, fixed TV and the ability, if you paid that couple of dollars a month, you can pick different anglers and stuff. And yeah. it's just a little bit of a different experience because if you have, if you have somebody you're a fan of, or even if you're not, if you just want to see an angler's day, having the ability to grab, grab one of those cameras and follow those folks around and, and see them for, for a tournament day can be, I mean, it's almost like riding the boat with them, right? You get to see mm-hmm. a little bit of that decision-making and things like that. So, And and the opportunities there are pretty endless. I mean, with funding comes the ability to put cameras in more boats and get, you know, there's a there's a point there where you could, I guess you could have a camera in every boat and it could be, it, like it could bring the sport to another level. If you, it's 
I can't imagine how expensive it is just to put a camera in a boat. So it would take a lot to get to that point. I'm not going to quote, but they did tell us. Oh yeah, one it's, of the episodes. We it's talked. a lot of zeros. It's a lot of zeros. There's a lot of zeros involved in that. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't I say the first number, but yeah. So, so growing up, like, yeah, you, you know, you 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 fished and and ate everything, and uh, you hunted too, right? That's what you're up in oh, Southern Ohio right now. You're you're a big outdoorsman. I, I am, man. I've always said if I could deer hunt all year, I wouldn't even own a bass boat. Like I love really? bass, but I am like. I'm I diehard deer hunter. We duck hunt, you know, the part of the world I'm from, kind of east central Arkansas. It's there's huge duck hunting opportunity there, and I don't duck hunt like a lot of guys do. I do duck hunt some, but generally speaking, I won't even duck hunt until I'm done deer hunting for the year. I mean, I'm just yeah. I love the deer hunt. I've made some amazing friends through fishing. I've got to hunt with different places. This where I'm staying here. I, I met through fishing four or five years ago, and I come up here every year and stay. And hunt a week normally it's early november and i'm bow hunting this year we got a little uh conflict in our schedules but i'm up here for their gun hunt in late november but yeah it's a. Uh, I mean it's i love it i love it. i love the deer hunt and i do it pretty hard at the house i think my wife gets tired tired of me being gone i uh <laughs> i go a bunch like their last two or three weeks i probably hadn't missed but i might only win a morning or an evening but i hadn't missed maybe two days and in, in november three days maybe yeah it, it, it's interesting um i think there's a handful of people in the professional bass fishing world that that do not hunt uh but it's few far in between um and i almost and here's a question for you does it feel like it's almost like that you have like that is what you do like if you're not on the water you're in the woods like that is the culture is it not it is man it, it's like we came home from lanier on a Sunday and Monday afternoon I was in the deer woods and, you know, I was taking time in between hunts to pull the wrap off the truck and boat to try to get everything kind of done for the year. And as the fishing career grows, there's a lot more stuff to do in, in the winter fishing related, but I don't fish. Like I don't ever, I very rarely, very rarely fish before February, hardly ever. Um, and it's, it's just a real good, reset for me to just kind of i i get i fish a whole lot through the year and i get kind of burned out by the end of the year and it's i'm just happy to not for a while you know i think you see that with, with a lot of guys that and if they don't take that that reset time and i think a lot of that is why you see a lot of guys that that fish professionally or even like us you know we fish a couple tournament trails locally and, and do that kind of stuff and go go to shows with the podcast and with some of the companies that we work with and things like that. But like hunting is the time you get to get away from fishing like that. For yeah. me, this is totally a reset time. Absolutely. The same way. Like I can go sit and sit in the woods. I don't have to worry about fishing. I'm not thinking about the boat. I'm not laying in bed worried that the, somebody flipped a light switch. And my batteries aren't charging. <laughs> like, uh, you know, all that stuff that goes through your head when you're on a tournament or on the road or traveling or whatever it is. Um, you, you get to push all that away and you don't have to think about, you know, uh, where, where am I going to start in the morning? And then what time am I going to rotate? And are they going to be on that brush pile still or, yeah. or all that kind of stuff? So it's nice to, to be able to go sit in the woods on where, you know, you're probably going to see deer and just not 
stress about stuff. <laughs> well, th- so, so Hunter, um, and, and Pete's absolutely right. Like my boat's sitting here. It, it's had all the compartments open since the last tournament we fished in what early November. Yeah. Uh, we fished a, uh, special operations bass angler charity tournament up at Lake Norman, North Carolina. My boat is an absolute dumpster fire, but I don't care because I've been in the woods. I was fortunate to knock down a really nice, uh, eight pointer this year on a, a new piece of land that Pete and I hunt. And, uh, and he's absolutely right. It's a reset refit. But, you know, we talk a lot about in the uh, in the professional bass fishing world, uh, adversity and, and mental aptitude, you know, like that's one of the things that a lot of people just there's no answer for it. Um, but I think you're kind of talking like whether or not you're you're hunting or doing something during the quote unquote off season. Do you feel like that is part of you getting mentally and emotionally fit for the next season? I, I do it. So, I mean, back when I was just team fishing and, you know, just some lo- small BFL stuff like that, like I had nothing to do with the fishing industry in the winter. There was nothing I needed to do. I wasn't selling boats, trading boats. I wasn't really doing anything with sponsors. And like I'd back it in and literally pile camo on it. And one year mm-hmm. I didn't because you look around, there's there's that group of guys who you see them on social media and they're fishing all winter and then they beat your tail sometimes through the rest of the year. And you're like, man, I'm behind. Like they're working harder than I am and I, I need to fix that. So one year I fished all the way through the winter through, and, and kept tournament fishing. And man, by like April, and it was just team, it was just local, but by April I was so over it. Like I didn't want, I, you know, agreed to do all these different trails with buddies and stuff and i didn't want to go like by april the, the fishing's amazing and i'm like yeah i'd rather not and it just yeah. i knew then i could never do that again like i had sure. to have that time that gets my mind clear and the fall can be really tough like i ended on a good note at lanier and if somebody had wanted to go fishing oh, two weeks after that i'd have probably went but a lot of times even on a good tournament fall fishing's so tough that i'm just fed up by the time it's over and it's just yeah. like, man, you'd be like, I'll give you a hundred dollars to go fishing. I'd tell you, keep your money. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want any part of it. I can understand. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, Hunter Bogman is not doing any guided trips in, in the fall time. Yeah. NPFL's already got me worked up having to have fish in the end of January. I'm like, man, I'm getting my stuff ready. You know, normally, I mean, the boat, I don't even like getting a boat. January start working on tackle and it doesn't hit the water till mid February, and I'm like, gosh, I got to be like tournament ready by the middle of January. That's you know, and go put several days on the water, kind of get back in it before we get to Alabama. So yeah, I have to cut it short this year. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. Uh, starting early there, you know, January in in Alabama, it's going to be. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I mean, yeah. I know it's tough on y'all because, like you said, you, you really don't get that. kind of throws you out of routine. Everybody's sort of used to, you know, December, January, February. You're kind of laid back. Usually trails start up end of February, early March, uh, depending on where you are in the country. For anybody up north, I know you're still fighting ice, so uh, you can't relate to that. But um, down here, like, if we don't run them through the winter, because most of our big trails do shut down through the holidays just because it's easier. Uh, but come – mid-february they're back up and rolling right through till november again and it's oh yeah um you know it's like every weekend you can be fishing like you said fishing almost 40 local tournaments and and your npfl events between um i believe you do motivational speaking correct like is that that's your gig too so you know you have that stuff come up and then sponsor obligations um 
yeah, it's it's going to be it'll be a little bit rough on you. I'm sure this year getting that that time off cut short. Um, hey, I make but, them home from Alabama and just like put it up for another month. I don't, I don't <laughs> like, all right, that was fun. See, see yeah. seven days and put her away. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't think anybody would fault you for that. Yeah, Amistad's <laughs> in March, right? Yeah, I believe it's first week of March. Yeah. And you don't have, luckily, as far a drive as some folks are going to have for that one. No, I've still got close to 12. And that's I, a, I feel a, like mine should be added on to with a, two kids under three. I mean, yeah. <laughs> my 12-hour <laughs> trips turn into really long trips sometimes. <laughs> so so your your family – so I want I want to jump into the league because um, that's what you're currently fishing and stuff. And, and Pete said before, you had a Toyota Series – win and then you had a, a seventh at Dardanelle in, in 2020 so you fished uh, multiple different leagues but as far as the national professional fishing league like what what's um first of all like what what is it about the league uh or the mpfl that that drew you to that organization you know if at first it was i hadn't really fished other than a couple of years of toyotas anything that would have qualified me for a higher level i thought i was ready to make that step I had some, I slowly worked on some sponsor stuff and had it built up a little bit. And, you know, I was able to just get in the league from there. I, you know, I, they're great people. I mean, that's why I got in originally because it was opportunity to slide in some higher level stuff. Um, but there, I mean, it's just some of the best people I've ever met. It's the best run tournaments I've ever met as has ever been in as far as take off and weigh in. I mean, Brad is just like, crazy good at having everything planned out um you know they're just great and i love all of them like the toyota series mark mcguall is the tournament director for them he's from arkansas i've known him he was my bfl director before that like love him i've got you know bass masters all their media stuff jm associates is all out of little rock mm -hmm. i know all those guys so i know everybody in all of them and i wish i could fish everything i just can't yeah um and and the mpfl is really i i I was very fortunate. The first MPFL I ever fished, somehow, Brad put a camera in the boat with me because we had cameras the first day that year. And it was the very first day ever of an MPFL. And I called him really good, and I was in the top 10. And so I got a camera again, and I called him pretty good again. And that kind of showed the world who Hunter was. Like, nobody outside of Arkansas knew who I was. Um, and that, like, kind of got my name out there a little bit. And from there, they're – they are the reason my name is because you know I've had the opportunities to to showcase my talents a little bit through their live and just articles and stuff and then of course winning that Toyota it did it did a lot too but uh it's just it, they're just a great trail man I, I I was nervous I've said this on one of the lives with Brad and I don't mind to say it at all they screwed up the first year they canceled the championship like that's but they admitted it they fixed mm -hmm. it and that showed me they who they were, you know, to be able to fix that and, and keep going and not go under. And, uh, man, I, I think it's just getting better every year. Yeah. Were you, uh, were you around, um, the, uh, the, the scene when, when FLW was going on before, before BPT came online and stuff? Oh yeah. 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 I actually, I fished a, Oh, do you remember they used? I forgot what they called them. They were still a hundred thousand to win, but they weren't the tour. They were like the level below it. 
If they were the three or four was it the Everstarts? Yeah, Everstarts was the no, it was the stepping stage that, to that, the Everstarts was the Toyotas. This was was it the Weekenders or something they called it? The, wasn't it? I think or they the, called it the just the FLW series. That might have been. I know which ones I, you're talking about. I fished as a co-angler in one of those. That was the only tournament I've ever fished as a co-angler, but and really? I hated it. I'll never do it again. And those that do it every weekend, more power to them because I don't see how you do it. But it uh, <laughs> like I've 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 been in and around you know for a long time, paying attention to all of it. Yeah. So, um, well, I want to get back to what you said because I I like talking about that. Um, but the one thing that I noticed about being around the MPFL, the way that they run their tournaments, just the, the anglers uh, mm-hmm. that are part of the organization. It's like a lot of nostalgia there. I feel like it's just, it's just a, you know, the, the top level, it's hard to say, but it's like the top level grassroots angling. Like it just feels like you're at your tournament at your home lake, but they run it so well. Everybody just seems very much like a family. Um, and we've been huge advocates and fans of the MPFL ever since uh, its inception. <clears throat> In fact, I think your inaugural event was on Wright Patman, wasn't it? You fall Alabama. I think you our fall, second. Oh, you okay, yeah. Um, and I remember watching, and that was when they used to put everything on on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So you'd have like hours and hours of like footage and stuff on YouTube, and I just sit there and like drone you know, watch it and stuff like that. But that's how I really got. And I saw you guys on there and I was like, Oh, I never even heard of the MPFL and a lot of these anglers before. So uh, I think they did a really good job at, uh, you know, capturing a lot of, a lot of the anglers and stuff. So, but and, and there's talents, you know, just cause you hadn't heard of them doesn't mean they're not good. I mean, we we've seen that in the last three years. There's some, Amazingly talented there's people some, fishing in PFL. There's some sticks fishing that. Well, league. usually, usually it's the ones you don't know about that you got to be. Worried. I mean, you look at yourself. <laughs> you got guys like Mike Corbishley. You got yep. Trent Palmer. Uh, a bunch of folks that Todd, Todd, Todd Go, uh, yep. Scott Siller. When yep. he fished with y'all, I know he's not fishing with you guys anymore, but Scott Scott Siller was Agvin angler. Um, Brandon, Perkins. a lot of the yep, you know, Brandon I've Perkins. Of, I've never heard of Brandon. He's been like the top five in angler year yep. every year. Yep. Yeah, so um did we lose him? Yeah, we got you. Oh, we got you now. We just had a little hiccup. Oh, but yeah, what were we saying about Perkins? Oh. oh yeah. He's amazing angler as well. Yeah, so that, so you guys are just real are, quick oh, to piggyback on what you were saying about like about the family feel like even, you know, you bring up Keith who now is, you know, going to fish the BPT next year. I know he's not fishing with the MPFL, uh, but you have guys that have come from the BPT and the elites that have fished with you. And they, because there's no qualifying tournament and, and Brad essentially screens everybody, the people that are coming in and we've talked about it with Brad and Paul are, are the right people for what they're trying to do. So all of those guys and gals, are super approachable at the events. They're not like, you know, you think of an elite guy fishes a local tournament. He runs up and weighs in and probably gets out of there. Like he doesn't want to stick around. He doesn't want to deal with, you know, all the stuff that follows that. But the guys that they bring in are hanging out. They're watching everybody weigh in, you know, they're meeting the other anglers, families and, and things like that. So it's really, it really is that family feel. And I never, I never went to an FLW event, but I, I remember hearing from a lot of the guys that fished it and folks that were fans and went to events. It had, it had a similar feel with the way, you know, the culture was within the FLW. So um, 
we've said it a million times. Like if you're anywhere near an MPFL event, go check it out. Go it check it out. Awesome experience. Uh, but go ahead, Trey. Uh, I was going to say, um, well, well, you said something about like not being a co-angler, but I don't want to derail this. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, like that, like if if you wouldn't mind, like what what sucks about being a co-angler? Man, I think my biggest issue was I had already fished multiple stuff out of the front of the boat, like BFL type stuff and team stuff for several years, and I was on a lake that I was very familiar with. I could not give them any information. And I just had to sit in the back of the boat. And I don't like whatever. When I'm when we team fish, we take my boat. I mean, it's just what it is. Even if my partner's got a boat, 99% of the time we take mine, I'm in the front. And that's, I don't know, maybe I'm bossy and I take, I don't know. But <laughs> I, I just, I'm always in my boat. And then all of a sudden I was in the back. And like my boaters were great. I mean, but it was terrible. I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do it again. You're, and you're not that friends they're co-anglers and i see them catch them there's two or three guys i'm thinking of that just consistently just catch them out of the back of the boat <laughs> and i mean i don't know I, they figured it out better than me i think i was so upset through the whole thing that i didn't even fish very good <laughs> so you said you know what i'm not even fishing anymore i'm just going hunting yeah <laughs> hey man i told i tell my team partners like i fish with my cousin almost all the time we've grown up together and like we we fish really good together because we've got gosh 20 plus years of tournament experience together so we fish really good together as a team but when i fish with other people i'm like look we can take your boat but if we take mine we can both fish on the front deck and we'll both have a chance to catch some fish if we take yours i'm gonna be on the back deck and i'm a pretty sucky co-angler and i may not catch any just but i'll net yours if you want to catch them so that's <laughs> that's kind of my stance <laughs> no you, you're not that you're not the first person we've had on that that said like you know I, I did it before you know a lot of guys have a great opinion of you know using the co-angler um you know position to to identify how the tournaments are ran and you know like how logistics work and learn from other anglers and stuff but then you know once they once they get to the front of the boat i don't i don't know of anybody I th that i think if you have zero tournament experience it's yeah. great as a boater running a boat it's a great way to learn about tournaments but if you have mm -hmm. fished tournaments even a bunch of local level tournaments you have an idea of flow and how things go and it's just yeah i can't i could never i've never done it and i'm telling you right now i never will because i know I'm not a great co and when I fish with Trey and we take his boat, I just nudge up right against yeah. him and put my hand in his pocket when I flip in. And, like <laughs> I gotta be up there, you know. I can't just sit in the back of the boat and fish. Um so yeah. I, I totally I totally get that. I sit on my little butt seat, you know, I, I pull the pedestal off of it and it gets me off, you know, just sitting on my butt on the ground or whatever. And so so I'm really limited either the front or the back wherever there's a pedestal, but it yeah. It's it's definitely something you can learn a lot with, and th there was a tougher learning curve probably for me because, I mean, my dad had bass fished some, I had a couple other guys that took me some, but there wasn't somebody that put me in a boat and was like, okay, let me teach you how to bass fish. I mean, my cousin and I pretty much taught ourselves most of it, and you know, it so so there was a learning curve probably missed doing that, you know, but it is what it is. It and I think I do better at it now. There, the BFL actually last year, this year, at some point, they were short on co-anglers, and they end up leveling it up the afternoon before the tournament. But I was thinking about jumping in as a co, but then I wanted to be really competitive.
So, um, the one thing I wanted to talk about, uh, when it, when it comes to the culture, um, well, we're going to dive into this a little bit later real quick. Do you like the fact that the MPFL does not have in reverse? Do you like having co-anglers on your boat if you're not fishing as a team? And if no, or, or do you like the fact that the MPFL doesn't have co-anglers? I don't mind co-anglers. I make great friends from being paired with them. I enjoy not having them in an MPFL. I think it yeah. allows you to go fish something and not and come back to it, you know, and not mess it up because somebody else caught one. It's never like I'm not blaming the co-anglers. It's no big deal. I had co-anglers in that Toyota, obviously that one, but mm-hmm. it it's just I enjoy being able to fish the way you can fish when you don't have anybody else in the boat. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at like the prime example of that is Lanier on day three when I was with you. Like we went back to a certain brush pile and you caught three really good fish off of that brush pile. Now yeah. that area we you were fishing and concentrating on, there was a bunch of brush piles and you were kind of running between them. If you have a co-angler there, you know as soon as you get past that, he has an idea where it's at, and that person's gonna make casts of that, and they might and and it, we saw it like with forward facing. If you hit the brush pile, you got hung up on it, you force those fish out of there and it messed it up. But if you caught one off of it, you had to come back later. Like I totally see when, you know, when you're fishing at that hot, that next level where, where it's detrimental because it, especially in a tournament like that, where, you know, there, there's so many fish and so many brush piles in the near, um, but finding the right fish. And then when you do find them, there's pressure. They're, they're so pressured. And we saw it like it would be catch one and then leave that and come back later, catch another one. We'd run and fish something else. Oh, might catch one there, come back to that area and catch another three pounder. And it's like, he was able to make that rotation. Whereas if you have, if you have a co, then they start throwing in there. Um, you know, it can mess things up and, and we're not knocking anybody that's watching co angler. Like it's part of the game when, when you have them, but I look at the EQs like, and I know they're talking about doing away with the, with co's for the EQs. I think next year, um, even well, the invitationals don't have co-anglers, but like there's a certain level where where guys are trying to make that next step, or they've made that next. Step. I mean, you're fishing for a hundred thousand dollars. You're not fishing your local, you know, BASS club tournament or something like that. Like you, right. you don't need that added stress of of how that person in the back of the boat could potentially mess things up, or if they don't get out of the way. Uh, because of you know your your adversities or certain ways you have to go to fight fish and do certain things right. uh, and if they got a bunch of stuff piled up in the way like i tried to do uh, and then like uh, you know they don't know to get out of your way if you got to come back there and lip a fish if you can't flip them and all that that kind of thing like and that goes for anybody um you know everybody yeah. talks about like they watch ike running around the boat like well why does he do that well it's about controlling the fish and not horsing the fish and and when you get somebody else in the way it starts throwing things off so mm-hmm. Um, not the harp on co-anglers, but it is something we like to talk about with folks because uh, ev- everybody's experience has been different. You know, John Cruz started as a co-angler. Matty Wong was much like you fished one tournament as a co-angler. Never again. Never again. Uh, like, so, we, you know, we've heard the whole gambit of uh, yeah. folks. So it's always good to hear different opinions. Well, um, yeah. And that, and, and just in my head too, while I'm fishing, like, especially something like we're doing at Lanier where you're looking at scope and throwing right in front of the boat. Like, I feel bad because that dude's back there in, you know, nowhere land. And I yeah. I feel like I need to position the boat differently so that he can have something, that, even if it's not the brush pile, 
he can get to the bank or whatever. Like you're thinking about that and you're not hundred percent focused on your next body, you know, and that's, I feel bad for the dude in the back a lot of times and when, when you are doing something that's real specific. So it, it just it's, takes some of your mind, if nothing else. Yeah. It, it's a weird, it's a weird sport, man. Like it's not a team event. You're fish. You really are fishing against each other because you're fishing against the same fish. Um, but at the same time you develop awesome relationships, you know, with these people after the fact. So it's like, you know, two NFL teams that are crushing each other's brains out during the day. And then they're at the after party together the same night. It's kind of the same deal, but it's just really weird and fishing. So we always ask about the co-angler side. Um, but as far as the culture is concerned, and we talked a little bit about this before the show, you know, developing relationships, um, is critical for most business practice, you know, whether or not it's professional angling or so on and so forth. And it's something that, that, you know, uh, I think is important to talk about in, and we talked about relationships and we, we, they say sponsorships. I, I like to, we like to say relationships or partnerships because it really does uh, turn into that. And in fact, sometimes it's employment, like you're working for them a lot of times. Um, but talk us through, talk us through that. Uh, you know, the listeners ourselves, we're always interested in it. Like, what does that look like now compared to what it did years before? Um, and, and, and what, it, what would your best advice be to somebody like, you know, with trying to develop partnerships like that? Um, man, social media plays such a huge role in it now. And I'm like holding on tight, trying to keep up because I, <laughs> I don't even know if I'd have social media if it wasn't for the fishing side of stuff. Like my, I've got a personal Facebook page and I never post anything other than my my wife. Um, but yeah. good call. It plays yeah, a big yeah, yeah. role. Yeah. Um, but you have to like nothing's free. I get so tired of hearing, "Well, that's a pro's boat. He got it for free," or "Well, he doesn't pay." Like, I don't get a boat or anything for free. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I get fishing stuff that I get for free. But it's not free. Like, and I'm sure y'all have seen James Watson do these free videos. Yeah. It's like none of it's free. Like, you know, <laughs> if it's my fishing rods, I I work for those. What people don't see, they just think you go fishing. Like, what people don't see is I was at a, a buyer's show in Texas for a week with the owner of Stick Five Rods, helping him work a show that had vendors coming to us to, to make orders, you know. And I mean, and you don't see the, me driving all over the state when I'm going somewhere, even out of state, giving somebody a rod to use for two weeks, see if they like it. And if they like it, they can keep it and buy it. And if not, I go back and get it. And, you know, it's not just rods. I mean, I do it with a lot of stuff, but, but you don't, you don't see that behind the scenes stuff. Like none of it's free. It's work. Just mm-hmm. like, I'm just not punching the time clock from, you know, nine to five and, and sitting in front of a computer or whatever. Like I'm, we all do our thing and get paid different ways for it but it, it's all work it's it it's how much work you put into it it's what you get out of it and nothing comes quick i mean it's it takes lots of relationships lots of times lots of small percentage deals getting started with a company get your foot in the door and growing those relationships and man if you're looking for cold hard cash get outside the fishing industry that's yeah i have very little actual money that comes from the fishing industry most of it's from outside yeah yeah and that's where you brought up james like he has he has done a fantastic job with those non-endemic sponsors uh 
and yeah. you know, and and getting his money from outside, and then leveraging those relationships into industry for the the discounts or the tackle, uh, whether it's free or not. You know, some some companies do give it if you work. Some of them just give you a discount. It's different for everybody. Um, but we have that conversation all the time. They're like, yeah, of course he's got a brand new boat and and three graphs on the front and two on the back because they all just give it to him, dude. <laughs> and I tell people all the time, like there might be one percent of professional anglers that are getting things like that for free you're talking about a guy like a kevin van dam who's probably never going to pay for a nitro boat because without him they're not as known as they are now like exactly hummingbird same like people that put certain companies on the map by using their products may get that but everybody else you're buying a boat every year and if you don't sell it then you're stuck with that boat like um you know some 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 guys work with local marinas depending on the dealer and things but yeah, it's not free. They're not Blazers. Not just sending you that boat every year. No, no, and we work together and have a deal. But it, no, sir. I mean, that boat's in my name. It's insured in my name. It's not theirs. It's not their problem once I pick it up. But, but you know, it's. Uh, I completely forgot what I was going to say. I don't know. I had a really good point, but <laughs> talking talking about getting sponsors and developing relationships, free stuff, free stuff. Oh, yeah, I was going to say it takes those in the fishing industry. Like, I've got lots of fishing industry sponsors, and it takes that to be able to go fishing. But then when you get outside of it, it takes that to be able to pay your bills, you know, and afford to go fishing. You know, it takes a little bit of all of it, you know, and it's, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot more work than what people realize. And it's, man, I'm like, I'm in Ohio. I'm here to deer hunt. That's what I want to do. This is my off time from fishing. But I'm, yep. we're doing this tonight. Yesterday I had an interview uh, with something else in the middle of the day. Like I, right now they're going coon hunting. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm fine with that. Like that's part of it because when they go to work Monday through Friday, I may be in a boat or I may be home with my girls, you know. But that's yesterday right. we came in instead of just hanging out, maybe taking a nap before we went again. And I was on an interview on the phone, you know, and it's so – there's a lot goes on behind the scenes that most people don't get credit for, you know. Do you ever do you ever just turn your phone off? <laughs> no, I would really, really <laughs> like to, but I'm always so scared that somebody family related would need to get a hold of me. So no, it stays on. Yeah. I might not always answer it, but it stays on. That's why the do not disturb on iPhone <laughs> is the greatest. You just put your family in there. It's not getting blocked, and then everybody else just goes to voicemail. <laughs> well, you, you've been doing – oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I've got a phone in my truck. I don't know. AT&T somehow talked me into getting another line. I don't even know the number to it. I don't think I've ever made a call off of it, but <laughs> I've thought about it at times giving that number to my family and turned this phone <laughs> off. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think it's important that you highlight, like, you're, you're basically on call – marketing and sales representative, content creator, professional angler, professional father and husband, like it, the list goes on and on. I think, um, you know, the question that's burning in my mind, you know, you've been doing this a while. There's obviously those been doing it like Rick Klun and KVD and Greg Hackney and all those guys have been doing it forever. But since you've been in this, have you seen the newer generation of anglers coming up? Do they take a different approach to, trying to get sponsorships and partnerships than maybe the old guard. I wouldn't consider you old guard, but like the, the older crowd is, is it a different approach? You know, sometimes I think so. Cause they 
I've seen some people like go some odd ways, but then I remember when I was 20 that I, you know, what sounded good then, like what I could approach somebody with really looking back wasn't. So yeah, I think they're, they're well without going down a rabbit hole here. The young guys are so well-versed in their electronics and they're so well-versed in social media. And that's where, I mean, when at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much work I do for a sponsor. It doesn't matter how big their name is on the truck and boat. It doesn't matter how many fish I catch or how many tournaments I win. If I can't provide them with a, a ROI, yep. Yep. then it doesn't matter. Like, so, and social media is the place to provide them with sales. And, you know, a lot of these younger people are, are extremely good at editing at different social media stuff and i'm i'm kind of like <laughs> same way as i am on my electronics i'm holding on and trying to figure it out as i go <laughs> yeah so speaking of electronics i i, I don't want to you know go full-fledged forward-facing sonar but have you seen a serious change in the last few years i know the technology has been out for a long time but has it changed your way of fishing 100 percent. i'm yeah. i'm very confident that i'm a fairly decent fisherman without it i mean like i want a lot of stuff without it but my my consistency has went out the roof since it i've adapted to it not since it came out but since i actually put the time in to learn it um it, it's definitely changed how i fish i was i grew up fishing arkansas river that's still home that's where i spend most of my time when i'm home and you know you're talking square bills flipping frog i mean that's kind of my deal little finesse jig and but I find myself going to new places like a linear or even somewhere it's not so offshore related. But when I get somewhere new, I, I want to fish off the bank because mm-hmm. I'm quicker off the bank. Because when you go somewhere that you had never been and you're shallow, and this is where I ran into I was never consistent in my standings because you go somewhere new and you don't know what stretch of grass or what lay down. Like when I go to the Arkansas River, I can tell you what underwater rock to throw out to get a bite <laughs> or what grass or what lay down. But there's hundreds or thousands. And you go somewhere you've never been, how do you know which one it is? You know, I mean, you can figure it out yeah. to an extent, but you're just covering a ton of ground. And I almost feel now like it's just random. Like I stick the boat on the bank and pick up a buzz bait. I feel like it's extremely random if I'm going to get those bites. Now, sometimes those bites are the winning bites, but it still feels random to me to where I can pull out. I can look and say, okay, I know I'm throwing at fish. I know there's structure there. Here's how they're like. Do you feel that the, um, the days of, uh, you know, like the OG style of, you know, flipping, flipping laydowns and, in top water along the bank or just beating the bank in general. And John Cox is like a, a he, he kind of proves this wrong a lot of times, but do you think that you think people are going to be able to win that way anymore? Yeah, I think at times, I think it will be a lot uh, less than it has been in the past. Obviously. I think top teams are definitely doing, doing John gives me hope because <laughs> I see him doing yeah. stuff. I'm like, okay, I can still go to the bank. I mean, those fish are still up there. It's not like they left because we can see fish out deep, you know. And that's like we go to yeah. – we went to Saginaw, and I made a top ten with a frog and a wacky worm and a jig while the guys winning were throwing drop shots at smallmouth. Now, 
that being said, after day two, I was in fifth, and my wife got pretty excited. And I'm like, honey, I'm not even fishing for something. Like, don't get excited about me having the chance to win. Like, <laughs> same planet here. Like, I think I can have finish with a good tournament, but I was nowhere. You know, the winning caliber wasn't there. Like, I wasn't close. Yeah. But so to me, to me, and get out with a top ten, make you some money and roll. I'm good with it. What what is your what is your favorite way your favorite technique to fish? Uh, finesse jig like a five sixteenth yeah. ball head. Yeah, followed okay. very closely by a frog. What is your what do you just dislike the most? Um, I don't know. I used to really think it was anything involved in the spinning rod, and I've I've <laughs> kind of overcame that fear. Um. You I still only own two, though, right? Yeah, I still only own two, and I might own three. <laughs> but next year I might not. I don't know. But I mean, I didn't say I throw it a lot, but uh, <laughs> I think deep cranking probably. I don't like. I might have caught five fish in my life on a ten XD. I mean, I just it's something I don't do a lot. Yeah. yeah. I got, I'll tell I mean, you I got... what don't know anything about that I would like to, but I'm terrible at it's glide baits, man. I don't know. Like I've got like five of these suckers. I've never even had a bite on one. I'm I'm in the same boat, dude. Like I, I think I own a, a couple of them and then uh, Pete jumps in my boat and he's got this like box that's like specifically made for all these like high end dollar glide baits. And I'm like, Oh, you're going to throw that. And he's like, absolutely not. Like <laughs> I'm not throwing that. I'll lose it. I brought it with me, but I'm not going to throw it. Man, man no, I throw just... him some, you know, got hundreds of dollars wrapped up in these deals. and I'll throw him some. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I just can't do it. And then I get to the ramp and my buddy's like, Oh dude, I smashed him on the glide today. I'm like, no, you're lying. There's no way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It doesn't work like that. <laughs> it don't work. Like yeah, it it's like if you commit to that glide bait, you got to just throw that glide bait. I feel like, and I have trouble doing that because I want to catch fish. And that I mean, you may go out and smack thirty pounds, but you also may zero just as easy. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, throwing that thing around. So I always bring them, and I'm like, we'll find a circumstance where I'm a hundred percent get to smash them on this, and I've just never found that circumstance. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's it's a lot like. I never really like throwing an A rig. I'm not like against it ethically or anything. I'm just not a fan of it. But it's one of those deals you got to put in your hand all day if it's going to work for you. Yeah. I'll, t I'll tell you this right now. I'm a huge fan of the A rig. I love it. I uh, catch so many fish on it. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll bring it back. I don't know. We'll see. You know? Yeah. Hey, whatever. If they do, I'll throw one. <laughs> so, d dude, uh, I, I know we've been going for close to an hour here, but. Um, you travel with your whole family, right? Your whole family goes with, to every tournament with you? I do. We've been very fortunate since Kenley was born uh, middle of last – no, middle of 21 um, that my wife, she works for her dad, does some office work for him in a shop he's got. And she's able to travel, and I don't know how – I don't – I intend for it to keep going on as long as I possibly can. Like when I sit down and I start looking at finances – and I look at sponsorships. I'm like, all right, this is X is the goal I need to continue to do this. I I, I do it factored in with them with me. Rent a house for us because it's you know obviously more expensive than splitting it with two or three guys. And there's nobody in their right mind who wants to hear kids screaming when they're fishing a tournament. Um, so we we roll them by ourselves. But you know I I factored in that 
these are numbers I have to have to fish or I don't go because and I don't want to leave me home and be gone for eight, nine days at a time. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand, man. Um, and I think it's something that's not talked a lot about in the, in the professional bass fishing world. Um, not everybody is married and, and has, you know, wife or husband and kids and stuff like that. But, um, that's really the underground network, uh, the logistical network that, that sets a lot of pro anglers up that, um, if you wouldn't mind, how, how critical is that in your travel, uh, both to keep you, you know, like logistically sound you get to spend time with your family like is that a huge piece of your success on on the trail man it is you know my wife and especially with me i need a little bit more help on some stuff but she does anything and everything um you know she's she's we basically treat this as a business and she's in it just like i am and in for whatever to help and when we're at home before we go if I need stuff moved around or for washing the boat, whatever it is. I mean, she's in to help hooking up the boat, covering the boat. Uh, and then when we're out of town, I mean, it's, I don't have to worry about anything except catching a fish. Like when I, mm-hmm. I get up and practice and when I come home and back the boat in the driveway, when I go in the house, dinner is literally sitting on the table on practice days every day. My dinner is yep. sitting there waiting on me and, you know, tournament days there at the weigh in every time if I need anything. If it's a practice day and I'm like, I'm gonna need more of these baits, I'll send her a picture of it and I'll send her two or three stores, maybe in 30, 40 mile radius. And I'm like, go go find it. And she'll have it when I get home. And it's just she's extremely crucial in in being able to do it. And then like you said, just having my family at home. Man, there's times on a twelve or thirteen hour practice day, you roll in and both girls wanna see you and all you wanna do is eat and go to bed. And they yeah. may not get a ton of time, but, you know, I'm going to sit on the couch with them and I'm going to hang out with them. This is actually this week up here is the longest I've been without my youngest ever since she's been born. And it's just, I'm having a blast here, but I, I, I it reminds me how much I need to make sure they're able to travel as we go. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. I would be near as happy if I was going a lot, you know? Yeah. But, I think, I think, uh, I think a lot of us kind of, you know, overlook the fact that how important, uh, you know, your family is or your friend network, even if it's, if you're rooming with a bunch of buddies, you know, like making dinner, each person rotates. We saw that up at Lake Norman, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, like it was super critical that we all kind of came together as a giant team. So even if you're in that group, that house, you know, with four or five different anglers and you're competing against each other at the end of the day, you become a team, uh, cause everyone kind of needs it. So it's cool that you get to, to spend time with your family and stuff on the road. Um, a question I've never asked anybody, but for, for the, for the spouses, is there like a network or like a readiness group that spouses kind of create on the road to like help each other out? Say a new angler enters into the league and their spouse is traveling with them. They're like, I don't, what am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? So do, do, do the other spouses kind of like take on that role to like mentor, uh, new angler spouses and stuff? There is actually a group for the MPFL wives. It's called like MPFL wives. It's a private Facebook group, just like we have one for for the anglers that the MPFL communicates with us in. The wives have their own group that's not uh, affiliated with MPFL, but it's it's most of the wives of the MPFL guys are there. And you know they may. My wife doesn't go to a ton of stuff with both kids. It's hard, you know, to just they're doing their own thing a lot of times, but. 
um, they may go eat lunch one day or, you know, there, there's always stuff, which obviously I'm not on it, but there's always stuff going on on that, that page, but yeah, they, they communicate for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that whole support system is so crucial and to be able to have it on the road with you. I just imagine is a huge, it's a huge relief. You don't have to worry about what's going on at home. Uh, God forbid there is any type of emergency, you know, you're not driving 12, 14, 18 hours to get there. You're just going right down the road They're you know, all there, they're there with you. So that that's always, I've traveled pretty much my entire adult life um, for work and stuff. And that's always something that, that is tough as being away and not being able to be there, you know, for your family or loved ones if something were to happen. And hearing you talk about and think about it, my life would have been a lot less stressful if I could have taken my uh, my yeah. family and stuff with me whenever I was traveling around work. Heck, I came down here. My wife wasn't even to come come with me because I was only supposed to be down in North Carolina for two years. That was six years ago. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, and man, and I've got you know, I've made a ton of friends on the, in the league, but you know, I've got two or three guys I can rely on, even though we don't get to be in the same house. You know that we you still have that camaraderie and one of them guys will make sure just kind of depend on where they're putting in, make sure I'm in the water every day, you know, and if you need something on the water, you can holler at them. They'll come get you. We talk to each other every day. And, you know, so I've still got that too. I just, you don't have it at night when you come in like you do when you're staying with a group of guys. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple more things and and then I'll stop running my mouth, man. I know you want to go kill some deer. You're a motivational speaker, correct? I am. Yes, sir. So can can you talk us through that and and who your target audience is and and, uh, and and how you work that in between uh your tournament schedules so it it's not ever anything I've ever really pushed obviously I've got a pretty cool story with the high back meningitis at nine months old so with you know I always say like matter of fact we that last video that I put up and tagged y'all in the other day it's got holly like a hundred thousand views on Facebook Mm-hmm. And it's it's crazy. And somebody asked me the other day what the key to growing my social media was. And I was like, man, I don't know. People like to watch a guy with no legs catch fish. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not anything special. It's just unique. And that leads me to, you know, being able to share my story. My faith is huge in my life. Um, my The good Lord is a lot of the reason why I'm still here without going into my whole story. Um, cause it was a miracle. And guidelines, right? Somebody just calls and says, Hey, can you come speak here? And it's over like the last seven or eight years, it's just grown. And then this guy tells his buddy and then all of a sudden it's, I'm not doing it within 20 miles of my house. I'm doing it in other States now, you know? And, uh, I, I, I don't know. I did 18 or 20, I think this year, different times, but you know, it may be a youth group at a church. It may be a Sunday morning at a church. It, you know, like in front of everybody, it may be uh, a school. I went to uh, a couple of schools. One, I think in two days, I hit like 800 kids, like put them in the gym and get in front of all of them and talk to them. It may be that's a lot of what it is. Sometimes it's a men's group, sometimes, you know, just stuff like that. And it, it, I don't have, I mean, it all revolves around me fishing in my story. But, you know, if I go to a church, it's obviously going to be faith based. If I go to a school, of course, a lot of that can't be faith-based on at a public school. So that's more just motivational. Hey, you can do this. Look at me. I get to go fishing. I wear this big jersey and see what I can do. This is why you can do it because anybody can if they put their mind to it, that kind of thing. And it's just kind of 
you know, I, I'd speak at some fundraisers. Just it's just kind of grown, and and it's you know, it's a it's another way to make a living to kind of just go along with the fishing. Well, I think it. I think you know when you <clears throat> when you look at how uh, saturated the world is with negative media and in propaganda and everything else that's going along with it. Um, it's the stories like that. That's why it's grown your social media. It's because there are people out there that actually care and have a genuine interest in positive stories, uh, which is what our show is all about, um, which is continuing to grow a culture of anglers, helping anglers. And so I think that's important. And, you know, like we want to, you know, obviously share all the links that you have if there's any or anything like that but you know motivational speaking is something that uh that's there's people on social media that that post videos and stuff and and that's great but like to get the face-to-face interaction that's a whole different perspective on what it means to because you can change you've you've changed somebody's life you may not know it or maybe you do know it i don't know but um and, and that's what ties me into the next question is like what is your overall goal like where do you see yourself either in the professional fishing world or outside of it what do, what is hunters like i don't know 25 year target man i i literally tournaments that's what i want to do at a high level but to do that you know obviously involves more my, my goal is is to stay at the national level for a long period of time to to be able to take care of my family doing so and just keep sharing my faith and my story when I can. And like I said, I've, I've never pushed it. It's not like I've caught, cause I, I've thought about like when I'm out of town, these tournaments, we've gotten off day and it's like, well, I could call, you know, some churches and see, if, but that's not like, that's not it. I just, if somebody asks me, I'll go and, and that's why I'm going to keep it. And I mean, that's, I don't, you know, I don't have any just certain goals. I don't have like fishing related. I don't, I mean, I would love to fish the Bassmaster Classic at some point. But other than that, fishing related, I don't care. I want to win a national tournament, and mm-hmm. I just, I just want to go fishing and do what it takes to keep my family with me on the road and support them through whatever that is, whatever that entails. And I know there's other other ways to do it in the fishing world. I don't want to commentate on it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to sell stuff like work in the fish i want to go fishing and catch fish in a tournament like that is my goal yep that's a pretty good goal yeah i'm uh well i I mean dude like legitimately like it inspires me just to talk to you because you know there's so many people out there that just believe like oh you know like this is the end of the road for me like i'll dude there's always a way to level up you know, it, it it may not be in what you want to do, but maybe you got an, another calling or, or whatever the case may be. There's always a way to level up. You just got to figure that, figure out that path. And sometimes it's unlocking that creativity and imagination to make sure uh, that you're exploring all your options. And uh, so I appreciate you sharing that with us um, because whoever's listening to this or watching this or both, whatever, like take that uh, and put that in your back pocket because that's definitely an, an inspirational way of looking at things. Yeah, I, I was inspired when I fished when I rode around with you that day to realize how terrible of an angler I am. <laughs> like, uh, with Hunter? Yeah. I'm like, Hunter's up here like 10 times the fish as I've ever been in. <laughs> Dude, whatever. It was like a circus that morning. I kept like every time I caught a fish, I had to reach out. <laughs> Not but, your fault. No, I've got a story I have to tell you while we're on here. 
So uh, that video that I don't know if you saw Richard Cooper comment that he was putting his fighting pants on in that video you <laughs> shot me catching that last fish. Dude, so I didn't know like I didn't know you were going with me till the night before, right? So I've been yeah. telling I hadn't talked to Coop. I hadn't told him. I didn't see him the next morning. So he rounds the corner. I'm going from the front to the back with that fish. You're going from the back to the front with the phone holding it out way in front of you. He thought somebody had a knife on was in. Good. <laughs> That's why he shut down. That guy didn't have a gun. Oh, I'd be laying on the front deck under yeah. his boat. <laughs> He's like, dude, I rounded the corner and you're square in the middle of the lake. And there's a dude chasing you holding his hand out. He's like, I didn't know what was going on, but that's why I shut down. Oh, that is funny. You know, that was that was a last minute that was a last minute thing. And and we gotta give uh we gotta give you know Brad and Paul some some major you know kudos for that because that wasn't even part of the plan. You know, when we came down there, we wanted to be a part of you know um whoever. But we, we were, you know, rooting for Todd. We had him on the show. But whoever to hoist the, the Angler of the Year, to see that last event, to meet everybody, um, I got the chance to come down to CNT uh, on your guys' last day. It was miserable weather, but it was great. I got to m- meet Brad and Paul, and then we were like, yeah, as a, as a show, we're going to go down and, and check you guys out at, at Lake Lanier. And that, I, I'm telling you, like, I would have, knowing now what, like if we wouldn't have went, I would have regretted it a hundred percent, dude. Um, because that was a great time. So well, next year we'll whatever event we come to, we'll plan that right along in advance so you can let everybody know that you're not getting <laughs> robbed pirate. by some fat bearded dude okay. yeah. in the middle yeah, of the day. I, I can imagine that. It, it would have been funnier if you would have been wearing like a hunter orange hat. Like, <laughs> who is that redneck on the boat trying to kill him? I'm, I'm just glad <laughs> I ain't He's like, I had no idea what was going on, but I had to shut down to find out. Oh man! <laughs> and it was to- really cool because then he shut down like literally when I caught the fish that I knew yeah. was going to give me a championship. So that was really neat too. You know, you know what Pete said to me uh, when he got done in the boat with you that day. He what? said, "He goes, dude. He said we are so inefficient when we fish. He's like being on the boat with Hunter like opened my eyes to how much we suck." at using forward-facing sonar and being precise on our target and everything like that. And I'm like, well, I guess Hunter's got to invite us to go fishing with him again so we can learn. Yeah. From- <laughs> like, well, that, that's I, every a- time I ride with somebody, I learn that. <laughs> well, that's a big compliment because every time I'm out there and I'm by myself, I'm like, gosh, everything you're doing is slowing you down. Everybody else is getting twice as many casts. Why are you being so slow is what I tell myself every time I'm out there. No. <laughs> No, I mean, we'd be like, we'd roll up on that brush pile and you'd scan it. You'd see there's one. I, I had it up on the back graph. You'd go, and I'd see that bait hit and fall right down to the fish. And I'm like, I'm lucky if I can get within 30 foot of that joker. <laughs> I'm trying to speed it back in to throw it further or reeling it real quick to get it to them. You're just dropping it right on their heads. I'm like, right. I, am, I am terrible. And it, funny enough, I said the same thing. They were all like, well, what's like with the trolling motor running everything and doing everything? Like, Like, how does it work being out there? And obviously, you know, no feet to do that and, and things like that. There's right. some diversity, but I'm honest to God. And I told Trey and Ben this that night. I was like, there were times when I, he was up there fishing and I'd like be looking off to the side and I'd look back and I'd be like, why is he on his knees? Because it just, <laughs> you were so efficient and like everything was so smooth, your boat movement and everything was 
was was so efficient. Like I said, that it it, it just like it's not something you're used to because you know obviously we don't fish with with people that face the challenges you have all the time. Um, right. So you you can tell yourself, man, you're doing you're doing better than a lot of guys that I've I've been on the back of the boat or the front of the boat that that have all their legs and everything in place. Um, I can't even feather the dang the dang trolling motor, dude. That's the like biggest challenge <laughs> for me is like feathering it, like finding it, like it is it's trays it's like this when you're out yeah, of like, the like uh, maybe because I got I don't know lead in my feet or something like that. I'm not sure, but so so 2024, dude. What are you uh, what are you looking forward to the most? Um, obviously, family traveling with you that's a no brainer. But like 2024, what are you looking forward to the most? out of your tournament schedule? Um, man, I think Saginaw, uh, just because yeah, I, I love know. it so much. I mean, I've, I've had one good tournament there, but you, you just, you catch them. Like, you can have a bad tournament yeah. there and you're still going to catch them. It's, it's yeah. so much fun. Um, also looking forward to St. John's. And I know nothing about it, but, but like I told y'all earlier, I mean, I'm, you know, learned to fish on the Arkansas river. So, yeah, I would have to think it's somewhat similar. Although I found out yesterday, I didn't even know, but somebody mentioned it was tidal, which kind of scares me. <laughs> like I didn't even know that. I hadn't done any really studying on it yet. But um, <laughs> yeah, I had no idea, and I'm like, well, that's kind of scary. But I, I, we rarely get a true river tournament. Like you know, Tennessee River doesn't count because but a true blue river tournament, and and St. John's may not be. I don't know. Like I said, I've not, not really done any homework on it yet, but. Anything that ends in river, I'm excited about. <laughs> well, then you need to take a trip down here or up here, or over here, or wherever. I suck at our own map. I know the map of the world, but I don't know our own map that well. So I need to go back to school. <laughs> but uh, you need to you need to take a trip with us uh, and and come fish uh, a body of water that ends with river because uh, I think you'll absolutely have a blast. And I'll tell you, man, like I fished Florida a handful of times now. And St. John's was my first one. And they are the, there's the biggest alligators I've ever seen in my life on that place. Like they scared the crap out of me. And there's a lot of mudfish there. So I'm like, dude, if I get snagged on something, I ain't going in the water to get it. Like it ain't well, happening. I won't dangle my toes in the water. They won't get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, don't dangle nothing. Um, what l- last question, man? What is the funniest thing? Uh, or what is the craziest or funniest thing that's ever happened to you while fishing the professional tour on the tournament or in the tournament? But Coop thinking I had a pirate in my boat the other day might be the funniest thing <laughs> yeah. I've ever been a part of. Yeah, uh, it's got to be man, up there. The, it, w- it wouldn't be like professional level, but fishing a tournament, probably one of the craziest things. I had, I think I was on Rayburn and I had a, eagle fly over me but i didn't know the eagle was there and it dropped a fish like from forever up there and all i it sounded like a, a missile like you just hear like you hear it <laughs> and then it slaps the water like two feet from the boat it's like what and i had my buddy with me i was like what is that and then this dead fish floats back up and we're looking around like you can see the eagle flying off and i thought oh my gosh if it had been two feet over to hit me in the head and kill me because he dropped it like, <laughs> up. but it, it literally kind of like a bomb or well, i don't I mean, i've never had a bomb around me but it, it had that noise like you hear from mm. fish, a white bass 
Ooh, it was a white bass. Yeah, like two pounds. Oh man, that yeah, definitely would have that would have not that would have given you at least a concussion for sure. Man. I always like to ask. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, man, if it hit you in the head, you'd have never known. You'd have been out cold. Yeah, I, I I love to ask people those questions because we all have like those are the stories we love to tell around the fire, making dinner and stuff. And uh, we had Stephanie on uh, when we first started the show, and uh, she talked about you know peeing on uh, a Harvey Horn's boat and stuff like that. Pretty funny story. She talked about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, if she Hopefully. didn't, it's no, cats out of the bag now. So, <laughs> but it's fun to hear these funny stories, man. And. Uh, and those are the things that, that create those memories that last forever for sure. So I, I definitely hope that, uh, that you jack them dude. Um, and, and win one of those, those giant shields, man, I can't believe how big those trophies are that the MPFL has, man. They don't even know where I'm going to put it, but I'm ready to win one. <laughs> well, then you can put that in the passenger seat and Pete can take a side. That's right. Be on the sideline. Cause he's a pirate trying to rock. <laughs> Yeah, get me a peg leg, an eye patch for next year. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your words of advice, man? What's your words of advice for, for all of our listeners, all the guys and gals that are trying to get into this game? And it really is a game. It's a game of thrones, actually, because there's so many power players and, um, you know, money is in one place and probably not in another place and stuff like that. And a lot of com- people competing over resources that are just, you know, frankly scarce, What's your words of advice for a new new guy or gal trying to get into this? Time on the water can never be duplicated. Like, put your time on the water. Learn what you're doing. Be as good as you possibly can at it and, and prove yourself. Get outside the fishing industry to try to make a living doing it with sponsors. And, man, without – preaching at you put put the good lord first give it give it six months put him first in everything you do see if your fishing doesn't get better i think those are absolute great words of encouragement um and and just mind to, yeah. to caveat on yours is man have backup plans <laughs> like yeah be all, yeah. be be all in but you know you still there yeah can you hear me yeah, yeah. I was just saying, like, have backup plans, man. Like, go get an education if you want to. Go get a, a skill. You know, um, business degrees are always a good thing. Get inter- introduced into the industry or outside the industry, whatever. But I can tell you, like, from from my perspective, and I know Pete's been in the fishing industry and outdoor industry a lot longer than I have. This show alone is the reason why you're on this show. This show alone is the reason why we know so many different people in the industry now compared to where we were in, in January yep. when we started this. And so relationships matter. Um, and just because, uh, you, you may have like a, a bad situation with somebody like, uh, I would caution people on, uh, it, not that you're not entitled to do this, but like, you never know if you, if you burn a bridge, if you're going to have to come across that bridge in the future. So, um, that's just my words of advice for a lot of people. Yeah, the finish, fishing industry is small. It really is. And, yeah, you, you need to be professional about it when you, you know, I, I do respect the guys who stand up and, and take a stand on different things, and that's mm-hmm. fine, but don't just burn bridges. And, mm-hmm. I, man, I'll say it's expensive. Like we, we talked about before we came on a little bit, uh, you know, it, it takes all my sponsors. Without a title, I'm not, I'm not doing it at the MPFL level. Um, 
but just like I don't know if people realize how expensive it is, but if it's thirty thousand entry fees and six tournaments, be ready to throw fifty thousand at it pretty easily, you know. Without you know, that's not counting your boat and stuff. That's that's just expenses to go. And don't don't like everybody has a dream. Everybody wants to fish. And I am proof that you can live that dream. Like I'm promise you, if the dude with no legs can do it, anybody can do it. But don't ruin your family over it or ruin your life over it, you know. If you can't afford it, back off and, and try again in a couple of years. And I've done it. Like I fished Toyotas for a year or two and made some checks that I didn't for like four years. I fished team stuff just to build up enough to be able to fish Toyotas another year. And I'd fish team stuff and I'd build up. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, don't, don't kill yourself financially to do it because it's very, very addictive and easy to, to be in a bad way money wise doing this, this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know who we need, you know who we need to call. We need to call the gamblers hotline and see if they'll sponsor us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, man, those are definitely a great piece of advice. And then finding that uh, that emotional and mental reset, like you're doing right now, man. So, you know, you're up there getting ready to whack a, a giant whitetail tomorrow because you're on the one cast tonight. So, uh, we're good luck. You know, Pete, yeah. Pete wasn't pirating you. Yeah. Uh, he was definitely giving you some leg linear. <laughs> so, but yeah, man. Um, you so, brought, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I was gonna say you brought up your sponsors and how you can't do it without them. So, uh, you know, we, we don't want to keep you too much longer. So, why don't you go ahead and shout out any sponsors you want to, and and let people know, uh, you know, who who helps you do this or the reason why you can do this. Yeah, man, for sure. Jason Walker at Dia's Scrap Metal Heat. He stepped in last year in January. I wasn't fishing the MPFL because I, I didn't I, – I'd lost my title. And he stepped in and, and became the title. He's definitely keep, – who keeps me at that national level versus the regional level. Uh, but there's so many more to go with it. It's not just him. Uh, you know, Brazalo Custom Lures, Red River, Auto Group, Blazer, Mercury, Stick 5 Rods. There's a lot more than that. I, I and they know who they are, and I, I'm not going to sit here and just name every one of them. But they, uh, man, it takes every one of them down to the smallest little thing to the biggest. It takes every one of them put together to to ever get it done. Yeah, we know we know how important those sponsors are for equipment for you know for, for yes. money to live because, like you said, <clears throat> thirty thousand in entry fees is just the start. And then you got you know fifty grand in expenses between Airbnbs and fuel and and food and just everything that goes into into travel and and those numbers are probably even a little bit more now with inflation and everything we have going on in the country so um we'll have you linked down below where where can everybody find you on socials though and then i'll link that below also man my last name's so hard to spell go to hunterfishes.com and just click on the social links from there that that would be the easiest way just because my last name nobody remembers how to spell it so hunter H-U-N-T-E-R-F-I-S-H-E-S, hunterfishes.com. I'll take you everything you need to know from there. I, uh, the, the, the one thing that I want you to link, Pete, is uh, there was an article, and I think it was Boat US. Do you remember that article? There's a Boat I Us. Do. That was I a do. great article, and, and uh, so we'll, we'll link that because there's some pretty comical stuff at the beginning of that article. And you know what? Hey, man, if you can't crack on yourself, then who are you? you know? and, and I'll tell you that. Um, you, you bring a lot of light to the sport, man. And, uh, you really do, uh, you know, inspire us, uh, to want to do better. And, uh, we appreciate you with your, you know, your words of wisdom. And, and I hope that you really do take a trophy buck tomorrow. 
man, I appreciate y'all so much. I appreciate that, and I'm gonna hold you to that. If I don't kill one tomorrow, I'm coming over there to. Well, look, I mean, let me let's just run our track record, right? We had Todd Goat on one on the AOI. Maddie Wong was out of the elites, came on the show, requalified. Stephanie was having a terrible year, came on the show, top ten, seven. I mean, like we've got a pretty good track record to this point, so I'm I'm hopeful. You know, I'm hey, gonna say we, a prayer. We're gonna we're gonna hope the good Lord will put one in front of you and give you the opportunity. We, we had we had Corbish Leon before <laughs> yep. the season even started. Him and the Palmer and uh, Patrick Walters' year. house like crushed it. Um, yeah, you know, I I don't hey, know. Yeah, y'all are good luck. I mean, had you in the boat and <laughs> caught them pretty good. You, the other times I've had a camera all years were some of the worst days of the year. <laughs> I'm gonna call Paul and Brad after this and be like, all right. You, you just got to bring us on board. All the anglers love it when we're going to be good luck and that's stuff. Right. <laughs> I'm in. I know that's right. Um, awesome, man. Awesome. Well, everybody, make sure you check out hunterfishes.com. I have it linked down below in the description. Uh, follow him on all the socials. Uh, you can see that video we were talking about. You'll hear Coop pull up and shut his motor off, and I didn't realize I was six and a half to fight somebody, but apparently I was about to get whooped out there in the middle of Lake Lanier. Uh, I thought he knew what was going on, and this was news to me. Um but, uh, yeah, make sure you check out all his socials. I'm sure there's sponsor links as well on that website you can check out. Um, check out all the story. The story is awesome. If you don't know Hunter's story, make sure you read that. It's, it is it is inspirational, and it's just further proof that, you know, you can overcome really any adversity that you face in life if, if you put your mind to want to do something. You put the good Lord first. Um, that There's nothing that can stop you. So uh, make sure you follow him on socials. Uh, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff that I asked at the beginning. I'm not going to go through it again. Uh, and make sure you help us continue to cultivate an angler. Cultivate a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time. <laughs> We're pros. <laughs> We're pros. Hunter, I appreciate you. Hang tight for just a second. I'm going to play our outro music, and then uh, we'll we'll end it with you. All right. Thank you. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. Feel like it's going to be a bad day.